We're going to read verse 7. That's where we left off a few weeks ago. And then we're going to skip down to the bottom, and we're going to read verses 13 and 14. Since we're kind of talking about what, what these three verses all talk about this morning, we're just going to cover them together, and, and that way we don't have, to, don't have to skip over them when we get through the next few verses. So we'll go back and get these that we're going to miss today. But, but today we're going to read Hebrews chapter uh, 1, verse 7. And then we'll skip down and read verses 13 and 14. All right, let's start in verse 7. And about the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his servants a fiery flame. Then verse 13. Now to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand? until I make your enemies your footstool. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you today, and I pray, dear Lord, that everything that is said and done in this building today is for your glory. God, I pray that as we hear these words, that they would speak to us. God, that we would learn from your word today. God, perhaps there are things in our life that tempt us to be drawn away from Jesus and who he is. But God, I pray that as we continue to study these great words of Hebrews 1, God, that we recognize that Jesus is better. He's better than these angels we talk about. But God, he's better than anything in our life. God, I pray that you would just hide me behind the cross this morning, that you would help me to effectively preach and teach your word in a way that brings glory to you that we understand that brings growth in our life god that when my mouth opens that dear lord these are not my words but these are the words that you would desire for us to hear so let us listen to you today dear lord let the holy spirit be among us in this place and i ask these things in jesus name amen we had left off in verses five and six of chapter one of the book of Hebrews, and the author had been making his case for Jesus. Now, we have seen this in great detail in the first few verses, but the author is transitioning now in these verses to make a case for Jesus that Jesus is better than the angels. And so to establish that case in verses 5 and 6, the author begins to point to all of these Old Testament passages which speak of the greatness of who Jesus is. And he says, look, in the Old Testament, God spoke of the Messiah to come in this way. And all the ways that God spoke of the Messiah, Jesus, who was to come, he speaks of Jesus in a mighty way. And he's making a distinction here. Look, angels are, 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 are creations of God. Angels are servants of God. But Jesus is better than those angels. And so, we looked at several Old Testament passages when we looked at verses 5 and 6 that talked about the greatness of the Messiah, the greatness of Jesus who is to come. And now he's going to begin to, in, at least in verse 7, in verses 13 and 14, he's establishing the place of angels. Now, angels have a place, and they have a good place as servants of God. But the point that the author of Hebrews is making is that angels are, in fact, just that. They are servants of God. They are lesser than Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Son of God, and that's established early on in the book of Hebrews. Angels are servants of God, and that's what we see here in verse 7. We see this language 
it's kind of kind of hard to understand verse 7. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about this, but but this is a quotation from Psalm 104 and you see in Hebrews chapter 1 a lot of quotations from the Old Testament, a lot of quotations from the Psalm. And so the author of Hebrews is building his case for Jesus based on what we would call the Old Testament. And he says in verse 7 and about the angels he says he makes his angels winds and his servants a fiery flame. Now, if you go back and you study Psalm 104, I believe verse 4 is what he's quoting here, it's a little easier to understand perhaps than it is in this particular context. In the context of Psalm 104, the, the psalm is about the greatness of God and, and, and kind of ordinary things that, that God uses in a mighty way in service to him to carry out the things that he's going to do, the wind or the fire. Perhaps you remember when we talked about Elijah. It's been probably two or three months ago now. But you may remember the story where Elijah is, is, is fleeing. His life is in danger. He's in a cave. And God comes before him, and there's an earthquake and a mighty wind and a fire. But God is not in any of those things. Instead, God spoke to him and a still, small voice. And so we see these types of things that God uses, a wind, the fire, whatever it may be. But these things, in a sense, are servants of God. And that's the use of, of, of that language, I believe, here in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 7. He's establishing the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. Angels are mere servants of God. That's not to say that angels do not have their place. That's not to say that God does not use them in mighty and powerful ways. But there's the distinction between the angels and the Son, the servants and the Son. And then in verse 13, Now to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Again, another quotation from Psalm. Psalm 110 there is what he's quoting from. And who is this passage speaking of? It's speaking of Jesus and the greatness of Jesus. Because who is going to be over all enemies when all is said and done? It is Jesus. It is the Son of God. And so the author is building his case in those verses we looked at in 5 and 6, then in 7. And here as he's closing what we call chapter 1, he's establishing, okay, Jesus is significant. Jesus is different because the way that the Son was spoken of in the Old Testament is far greater than anything we see of the angels. To which of the angels did, they, did he ever say, you're going to be over everything. You're going to have a kingdom established under you. You're going to be able to conquer all the enemies. None whatsoever. There are no occasions where God speaks of the angels in such a way. God uses angels in mighty ways, but he uses the Son, Jesus Christ, in a much greater way. And in verse 14, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation? Here's the key word here. When we talk about angels and think about angels, angels are servants of God. Now, we probably have a lot of questions that we, we may ask when angels come up, and we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about angels today. But, but quite simply, the book of Hebrews tells us the purpose of angels. Now, we can find lots of examples in the Old Testament of how God uses angels, and some of those we will briefly look at today. But the main point, I think, that we want to realize here, that angels are servants of God. They were servants of God in the Old Testament to carry out the things that God called them to. They're servants of God in the New Testament, and they're servants to those who inherit salvation. That is, to you and I. That is, they are there to serve God. 
Where did the angels come from? Well, certainly they were created beings because only God is eternal. When did God create the angels? Well, we really don't know the answer to that. We know from Job chapter 38 verse 7 that when God was speaking creation into being and God had created all things, that the angels are there rejoicing with him. So they had to have been created before those things of creation were created. How long before that? Well, we simply do not know. It really doesn't matter, but we do need to realize that angels are, in fact, created beings, which is another distinction between the angels and who Jesus is. Jesus is eternal. In the beginning was God, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh. I quote that passage a lot, but that is a great passage for us from the book of John in chapter 1 to remind us that Jesus is eternal. He is not a created being like the angels. He is greater than the angels. Jesus is the Son, and the angels come to serve. Now, why is he writing all of this? That, that might be the question that we ask. Why all the talk about angels? What, what does that matter to the audience that he is writing to? And even more so, what does that matter to us today? Well, let's look at the first question. Why does this matter to the audience that he is writing to? Well, let's, let's talk briefly about a few occasions where God uses angels in the Old Testament. One story comes from Genesis chapter 18 and 19. It's a story about a place, places called Sodom and Gomorrah. And there was a lot of sin there. And there was a man named Abraham, and God had already made this promise through Abraham, and he was going to uh, make Abraham a great nation. And, and through Abraham's descendants, God was going to form his people. And on one occasion in Genesis 18, it says that three visitors visit Abraham. Now, it doesn't really say in that context who those visitors are, but as we begin to read the story, we begin to realize that it appears that those visitors are two angels and God himself. Now, in what form they took, it's hard to say. It, it, it seems as though they took the form of, of ordinary men. And God is here speaking with Abraham about the things of Sodom and Gomorrah. And as the story continues on into chapter 19, it says that two of them went on into Sodom and Gomorrah, and it refers to them as angels. And so here's a good example of how sometimes we see angels and God very closely uh, together in the Old Testament. Uh, they are certainly servants of God, but sometimes we see God using angels, and sometimes we see God working very closely with those angels in the Old Testament. Another good story to reference is the story where a man named Jacob wrestles God. Now, Jacob had did some de de deceptive things to his brother. And he hadn't seen his brother Esau in a long time, but he was about to meet him. And as he was about to meet him, there's this beautiful story from Genesis where, where Jacob sees this man and wrestles with this man. Now, again, in the context of, of where the passage is found, we don't see a lot of details to know exactly what's going Wait a minute. <clears throat> Jacob's here. He wrestles this man in the, in the wilderness. What in the world? But then when we turn to Hosea chapter uh, 12, it tells us, it speaks, it says the angel of God was there, but it also says that God was there, that Jacob wrestled with the angel of God, but, but Jacob wrestled with God himself. 
And even in the passage, in the context, Jacob acknowledges and recognizes that he had wrestled with God. And so we see passages like that where sometimes it speaks of men, but sometimes those men, as we see in other passages, are in fact God who has taken some human form. We call that big fancy word theophany. Sometimes you may hear that word. That's what that means. And sometimes you see, as in those stories, the angel of the Lord or angels of the Lord and the Lord seem to be kind of both there together. Now, now do not confuse that with the fact to say that, that God is an angel. God is not an angel. Angels are separate from God. Sometimes angels are there with God in the midst of some very powerful and mighty things, but God himself is not an angel. God is eternal. Angels are created. One last reference is um, uh, from the Old Testament where God spoke to Moses in the burning bush. That's in Exodus chapter 3. And it says that the angel of the Lord was in the burning bush, and then God spoke to Moses through the burning bush. And so here are some examples of, of how God uses angels in some specific ways. Sometimes they are with God very closely, as in those stories. Uh, sometimes he uses them uh, to bring punishment to uh, his enemies. Sometimes he uses them to bring deliverance and protection to his people. Uh, sometimes, as, as, as the story of, of Balaam, where God uses an angel to speak to the donkey or stand in the donkey's path and use the donkey to speak. God uses angels in a variety of ways. And so angels definitely have a place. When we speak of angels, we also see in the scriptures fallen angels. Now, I don't know that we ever see the term. I don't think fallen angels, that term itself, is ever found anywhere in scripture. But we do see that there are some angels that sin. So there are some who, who, who obediently serve God, but we all know, also know that there are some angels who have sinned. And so throughout the Old Testament, again and again, God uses angels in a mighty way. Another way that we sometimes see angels referenced throughout the scriptures, and particularly in the New Testament, is it appears that the angels were present at the giving of the law. And that probably fits more with the context of the book of Hebrews. So what is going on here? Why is he writing these words to the people that he's writing this letter to the Hebrews to? Why is he spending so much focus on angels? Well, perhaps the answer to that question comes for us to us from a couple of different books in the New Testament. One of those is Colossians. In Colossians chapter 2, if you want to turn there, you can. Colossians chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. Sometimes this is referred to as the Colossian heresy. You may have heard that phrase before. You may even have that, it may be titled that in, in your Bible, depending on your translation. But referred to as the Colossian heresy. And what is the Colossian heresy? What is Paul addressing in this letter to the people of Colossae? Well, we see that in Colossians chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. Let no one disqualify you insisting on ascetic practices. Now, ascetic practices is, is you feel like you've done something wrong, so you kind of punish yourself. You discipline yourself really harshly. Oh, I've, I've, I've done evil things. Maybe 
We are sometimes guilty of that. Oh, I, I, need to, I need to deprive myself of certain pleasures. I need to discipline myself in some way to earn God's favor. That's what it's talking about here when it says ascetic practices. These are not the things of God. Jesus Christ has took our sin for us. When we sin, we ask for forgiveness. We repent because of what Jesus has done. We don't try to earn God's grace because of something that we can do. Jesus took the punishment that we deserve. We need not punish ourselves for what Jesus has paid the price for. All right, so let no one disqualify you. That is, don't turn from, from your ways of trusting Jesus and living for the Lord. Don't be disqualified because you're starting to do these things. Uh, that is, insisting on ascetic practices and the worship of angels, claiming access to a visionary realm and inflated without cause by his unspiritual mind. He doesn't hold on to what the head from whom the body nourished and held together by its ligaments and tendons, develops with gross growth from God. Okay, so there are some that are preaching things that are not the gospel of Jesus Christ, that are not the good news of Jesus Christ. They're saying, these are things that you need to do. You need to practice these ascetic practices. And what's one of the things that is mentioned there? The worship of angels. That is that some have seen in this visionary realm that, that angels have revealed to them some, some new gospel, some better gospel, something that, that, oh, God, this is new. God has revealed this to us. Now, certainly... When you see an angel and the mightiness of angels and the things that God uses angels for and their awesome power, in some ways it's, it's natural to uh, you know, be tempted to fall down and worship those angels. We see that twice in the book of Revelation. Now, John, you would think he would know full well not to worship angels. But when the angel is revealing these visions to him, on two occasions it says he fell down to worship the angel. And the angel instantly said, do not do that. Do not do that. Now, now the angel there understood, look, I am, I am not God. You worship God. You worship Jesus Christ. Do not worship me. But it appears here in the book of Colossians that there were some who were being tempted to and presumably worshiping angels, that, that presumably angels had come and revealed some secret message from God and people were listening to these messages of angels and worshiping these angels. But what does it say of those who are preaching and teaching such things? It says those who would preach and teach such things have been cut off from the head. They've, they've cut themselves off from Jesus Christ. That's why they're doing these evil things. They're not attached to the body. They're not growing in the body of Christ. They're not, they're not receiving strength from the source of strength that is the Son of God. Instead, they begin to turn to these, these lies, these false practices, and the worship of angels. And so with that in mind, perhaps this is more of an issue maybe than we would realize. The people in the book of Hebrews are being tempted to turn from Jesus Christ and turn back to their old ways. And in fact, God used angels mightily in the Old Testament and mightily in the giving of the law. And if, and if God used them in such a way, then they're being tempted to go back to their old ways and they are being tempted to put too much focus on angels and not enough focus on Jesus. They're putting too much focus on the servants and not enough focus on the Savior. And so the author of Hebrews says, look, 
recognize that Jesus is better. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is better than the gospel of any of those angels, perhaps, that are being referenced here in Colossians chapter 2. Now, that would answer the question, I believe, as to why perhaps the author of Hebrews is addressing angels in such a way. But what about the second question? What does that have to do with us today? Now, if I were to go around and ask, I would hope that if I said, are you worshiping angels, that everybody would say no. I would hope that everybody in here would say no, and probably everybody in here would say, I'm not even tempted in the least to worship angels. But that's not to say that the message of angels is not a problem for us today. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, as we look around our world, there are, there are tons of different religious groups. And it may surprise you or may not surprise you that many of those religious groups started from the very type of thing that Colossians chapter 2 verse and eight, eight, verses 18 and 19 speak against. Now, take Islam, for instance. That's a, a, a huge religion. That's not, as far as people who are, who, who are Muslim, uh, there are almost as many Muslims as there are Christians at this point. The Muslim religion is growing at a rapid pace. But how was this religion formed? Well, it was formed by a self-proclaimed prophet by the name of Muhammad. And guess what happened? An angel appeared to him and said, Wait a minute, let me tell you the right things and reveal to you the good things that you need to write down so that you can really know how to worship God and tell other people how to worship God. Now that message that came to Muhammad was from, in his, in his words, an angel of the Lord. Now was the message that came to Muhammad from an angel of the Lord? It was not. It would have been great if Muhammad would have read Colossians chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. But instead, this angel appeared to him and gave him a message that was not a good message. And so there's one example of a religion that's based on a false message that comes from an angel. Now, how can we know that this is a false message? Well, there is one common theme that we see in religions that are given by angels. And that is, Jesus is not front and center in those religions. Jesus always takes a back seat. Jesus is always lessened. Jesus is the Son of God seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus has been crucified and he has been resurrected. And he comes to give us peace and he comes to give us grace. And he comes to give us mercy and he comes to give us forgiveness. And it comes through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And he is victorious and no one else. And that is the place of Jesus Christ in God's word in scripture. And so we need not go beyond God's word. We need not seek any special revelations that come from angels because God has revealed himself to us through his Son. But here's the problem with religions like Muslims is that Jesus Christ is not the Son of God. He is merely a prophet on the same level as Muhammad, the self-proclaimed prophet. Now that's a problem when the one who is making religious lessens Jesus to the same level as the one who is making the religion. So the message that came to Muhammad was certainly not from God. The angel that came to Muhammad, perhaps he was a demon, perhaps he was a fallen angel, I don't know. But whatever message he received was not a message from God because Jesus Christ was not front and center. And even around us today, you say, well, I'm not worried about that. I'm not going to convert to, 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 to be a Muslim. Well, praise the Lord. I hope you don't. And if you're considering it, then come talk to me. We're going to look at the Word of God. 
But even around us, where we live, there are tons of religions that claim that angels have spoken to them. And whatever those claims may be, whatever religion that you are looking at, whatever the claims are, Jesus is always lessened to some degree. Now, it may be that people knock on your door. It may be that you get a letter in the mail. It may be somebody knocks on your window at the service station. It may be that you get a book in the mail. I've gotten all of these things from three different religious groups in our area, all of which are, are, are professing Jesus Christ to some degree, but there's a problem with all the three that I'm referencing, and that is in every case they were all started by someone who claimed that an angel of God gave them a special revelation. And in every case of at least those three religions, in every case, Jesus is lessened. And one, Jesus is a created being, just as you and I are, just as the angels are. Jesus did not exist, according to some, until the day that he was born to the Virgin Mary. That is the existence of Jesus Christ. But that is not what the Word of God tells us. There are some religions that say an angel appeared to me and revealed to me that God's word is good, but God wants to give us more of his word. He wants to add to what his word says. Let me write more books about what God wants to reveal. And what is the problem with that? Every one of those books lessens who Jesus Christ is. There are some religions that do exactly what is being talked about here uh, in Colossians or in the book of Hebrews or something similar, and that they, that they say Jesus is the Son of God, but Jesus is an angel. Well, Jesus is not an angel. There is a big distinction between Jesus and the angels. That is the whole point of the book of Hebrews here in these first two chapters. Jesus is not an angel. Angels are created beings. Angels are servants. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is the Son of God. And all of these different religions that we see around the world, which an angel revealed to them something special, it always lessens who Jesus is. And one religion, they sent me a book. I don't know why they even sent me a book in the mail. I got a book in the mail from a while back. And, and, and in this particular religion, there is focus on the law. Everything comes down to the law. You must live by the law. But that goes against everything that God's word would tell us. God's word would tell us that Jesus has freed us from the law, that there is forgiveness through Jesus Christ and Christ crucified and not from the law. And so this message is relevant for us today. We may say, well, we're not going to worship angels. And praise the Lord, we will not worship angels, I hope. But there are temptations of people all around us that we encounter, people we may know, and they may know some of Jesus Christ and know something about Jesus Christ, but do they know the Jesus Christ of the Bible? There are some religions that take God's Word and add to it. There are some religions that take God's Word and change it around to make it say what they want it to say. And in every instance of these religions that are started by people in which an angel has revealed something to them, it has is, it is brought Jesus down when the Word of God always lifts Jesus up. And Jesus needs to be lifted up in our lives. He needs to be lifted up in our church. And we need to look at God's Word and God's Word alone because that is is the revelation of God. So let us not ever hear the message of angels. 
whether an angel appears to us or whether we hear a message from someone else that says, hey, well, you know, an angel said this. If it's not in the word of God, then do not listen to the message of angels. And that brings us to our final passage this morning. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. If you want to turn there, Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. It's one of my favorite passages. I love this passage. This is Paul writing here, Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. I stand amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Now here whoever Paul is writing to in Galatia, they are turning from the good news of Jesus Christ, whose grace they have tasted, whose whose grace that they know of. And what does it say that they are doing? They are turning to a different gospel. They are turning to a different teaching. Now, are you and I ever guilty of that? Are you and I ever guilty of knowing the goodness of God, but yet being drawn away from God to something else that looks more enticing to us? When we hear the Word of God and live by the grace of God, we should say, God, I'm going to live in the grace of Jesus Christ and serve Jesus Christ. But what does Paul say here? He says, I'm amazed that so quickly you are turning away. Do those words speak to any of us today? We would not like to admit that to be the case, but perhaps that is true for some of us. Perhaps we too quickly turn away from the grace of God and turn back to the things of the world. And Paul says, I'm amazed. It's an amazing thing that we would do that. It's an amazing thing that we would see Jesus Christ, that we would see the Word of God, that we would feel His grace and His power, experience His forgiveness, and that we would turn to something or someone else. What an amazing thing that is. And Paul acknowledges that. I'm amazed that you would turn from the gospel of Jesus Christ and turn to, what does he say? A different gospel. Now, the word gospel, when we say that word, it means good news. I'm I'm amazed that you're turning away from the good news of Jesus Christ and you're turning away to other good news. Let's continue on. Verse 7. Not that there is another gospel, But there are some who are troubling you and want to change the good news about the Messiah. So what does he say there? You're turning to to different good news, but then what does he say? There ain't any other gospel. There ain't any other good news. Where are you going to find good news apart from Jesus Christ? There is none, Paul says. So don't quickly turn from Jesus Christ. Know who Jesus Christ is today. If you're here today and you're reading God's Word and you're seeing God's Word and you know who Jesus Christ is, do not turn away from Him. If you're here today and you do not know who Jesus Christ is, I want to tell you that He is the Son of God, that He died on a cross so that you and I could be forgiven. That is who Jesus is. Turn to Him, and when you do, don't turn away to Him. The good news of Jesus Christ sounds good to us when we're in God's Word and when we're in this church and it sounds good and we say, I am going to follow Jesus Christ and live for Him and then we leave these doors and guess what? The world happens. And we say, man, Jesus is good. 
then the problem when we get into the world is, well, the world begins to look pretty good too. And the world offers us good news all over the place that on the surface sounds like much better news than what Jesus offers us. Jesus says you've got to avoid sin. Jesus says you need to love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Jesus says you need to watch what you do. You need to watch what you say. You need to watch what you think. Well, that's a hard work. We don't like to work hard. We like to just kind of ease through there and live the easy life. And living for Jesus, I'll tell you, if you hadn't figured it out, it's hard. It's not easy to do. Because to hate somebody is a lot easier than to love them. That takes a little extra work. To sin is a lot easier not to sin. To be proud is a lot easier than to be humble. So to live for Jesus is hard. We leave these, world, these doors and we go out into this world. And the world says, hey, come over here. It's good. I won't put any restrictions on you. you do whatever you want to do. The world offers us good news all the time. You're probably going to get a phone call this week of somebody that's going to tell you good news. Your, 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 your warranty on your car is out, but I give you a new warranty. You're probably going to open the mailbox this week and get something in there that said good news. You're pre-qualified for a platinum visa card. I got one about a month ago that said I was pre-approved for a half a million dollars. Good news. Good news. If you're a man you want to be a woman, come on down to the doctor. We can take care of that. Good news. It's good news everywhere. The world says you want to do what you want to do. Good news. You can do it. You don't want to work. You want to keep living. Good news. We'll send you a check. The world offers you good news after good news after good news. But it ain't good news. What the world is offering you is bad news that's disguised in a wrapper of good news. What the world is offering you is deception. What the world that the world tells you is freedom is slavery. The world says be a slave to debt, be a slave to depression, be a slave to the things of this world. The world is telling you today when you leave these doors that it's good news, but I'm telling you today that it's a lie of the devil. It is not good news. There is only good news in Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. And I am amazed that there are so many who are quickly turning from the gospel of Jesus Christ and turning to the quote-unquote good news of the world. And Paul addresses this here. He says, look, you put Jesus Christ first and do not turn away to these lies and deceptions that you see around you. Because there is but one gospel. There is but one revelation that God has given us, and it is His Word. There is not going to be another revelation. I'm not speaking about the book here. I'm talking about God going to reveal something special to us. God has revealed it in Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. That's it. There are people in this world today, and they're looking for God. Oh, God, reveal something else to me. Let me see something else. And when you seek those things, then guess what? You may see an angel of the Lord, and He may give you a revelation, but I can guarantee you one thing. It will not point to Jesus Christ and put Jesus Christ first and foremost because the Word of God has already done that. And it is final. It is done. It is finished with the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That is the good news, brothers and sisters in Christ. That is freedom. You read the Word of God and you say it's hard to live for God. Yes, it is. But there is freedom and there is peace and there is, there is, there is goodness in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
You keep living for the world if you are, and guess what you're going to get? You're going to get more pain. You're going to get more heartache. You're going to get more depression. You're going to get more bitterness. You're going to get more hatred. You're going to get more debt. You're going to get more and more and more of what you've got if you're living for the world. And you say, well, how do you know I feel that way? I know. I've been there before. We all have been there before. Maybe you are there today. Even sometimes for those who are followers of Jesus Christ, we too quickly give in to the temptation of the good news of the world only to quickly find, wait a minute, this is not what this was supposed to be. Too many times people are looking for good news in all the wrong places. What I want to tell you today that the good news you want is found in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. So what does Paul say here in this passage? In closing, verse 8, But even if we are an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel other than what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. As we have said before, I now say again, if anyone preaches to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. What does he say here? Even if an angel comes to you and tells you, I've got better news for you, don't listen to it. Because the angels who came, came proclaiming the best news in the world came at the birth of Jesus Christ. Those angels came proclaiming good tidings of great joy because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, has been born. And that is the good news for us today. So when we read the book of Hebrews and we read about these angels, oh no, this is not just a problem for the people of the author of Hebrews' day. This is a problem that we are up against. There are teachings, there are things, there are temptations for us today that supposedly come from angels of the Lord, but they do not. Angels of the Lord are servants of God. They are good, they are mighty, they are awesome. We see angels do great things, but they are not the Son. The angels are the servant. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Let us choose to follow Him today. Let's pray. Father God, we come to You and we thank You for Your Word. God, I pray that as we think about these things that we have read today, that we are not deceived, that we are not tempted to go back to our old ways, whether it be the things of the law, as the people of Hebrews are up against, dear Lord, whether it be the temptation to... Follow angels, maybe even for us, or some of the false teachings of angels, dear Lord. They are ever before us. Let us know your word, dear Lord. God, let us know what is real so that we can easily spot the counterfeit. Let us know what your word says so when we hear things that have been added to it or taken from it, that we know what they are. That when we hear things about Jesus Christ that don't line up with what your word says, God, that we know that they are a lie. So God, let us not be those who quickly turn from the good news of Jesus Christ to the lies of the world. But God, let us be those who stand firm. God, let us not hear special revelations from angels that are going to turn us from the truth of your word. But God, let us hear the truth that you have already given us in your word of your son who was crucified and resurrected. God, I pray that you would just be with us today. Maybe there are some who are struggling. Maybe they came into this building today and they are struggling, God. I pray today, dear Lord, that they would find good news in Jesus Christ. God, maybe they came in here today depressed and angry and bitter and, and worried and afraid, not sure what the future holds. God, I pray today that they would know that there is good news for them. 
that Jesus Christ wants to free them, give them strength, give them comfort, to walk with them along their, their difficult journey in life. God, I pray that if there is anybody in here that does not know that good news today, that they would. God, if there are some that are struggling with sin, that today, God, that they would know that there is good news, that through Jesus Christ they can be forgiven of their sins and receive eternal life. God, maybe there are some here today and they are yours and they have too quickly turned from you. God, I pray that they would repent and turn back the other way. God, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.